Yo, what up? Welcome to Free Refills Podcast, where we come together as youth leaders to discuss the realities of leading in youth ministry. Our hope is that you leave refilled, refueled, and re-energized to carry on in ministry. I'm your host, Boss, coming to you from Indianapolis, Indiana, and I'm joined by my co-host, Dusty. What's up? Coming to you from Tulsa, Oklahoma, and a new face and new voice, Maggie. Hey, y'all. Coming to you from Howell, Michigan. If you don't know where that is, look it up. Use your Googles and figure out where that's at. We are excited to have Maggie join this cast of, uh, of hosts, co-hosts, whatever we call it. Um, but we're here. And each episode, we have a guest join us in our conversation. And for this episode, we have Ann Wilson. And welcome. Thank you, guys. So excited to be with you. And tell us a little bit about yourself. Uh, where are you located? Tell us about your family and how long you've been in ministry. Yeah, I'm in Indianapolis, Indiana. I grew up here, moved around for college, you know, and then came back. Um, um, I'm, let's see, I've been married for almost 11 years. My husband's name is Kyle, and he is a government and history teacher. Um, and he has been for about 11 years. So what a time. just high school, I, yeah, it's a, it's been a weird year. Um, and let's see. Yeah. He's, so he teaches high school. I have two kids, seven and three. Um, so all of the working parent memes that have been going out in COVID have been us deeply resonate with Jimmy Fallon's kids crawling all over him every episode. It's just been my life. Um, yeah, so I've been in ministry since really college. Um, my first full-time role was in 2008, 2009, so, you know, 11 years-ish. Um, and But I haven't had a super linear ministry career, so sure. to speak, um, which I do actually find pretty common in women in ministry, which is another conversation. But um, yep, yep. I started out in youth ministry right after college and was at a church here in Indianapolis, which is what brought my husband and I to Indy. I was there for almost five years. And then when we had our son, I took a little bit of a break and we started attending a different church and we just fell in love with that church and just started going to that church, just like normal people. And then they had an opening come up for a part-time writing position. I had always done like curriculum writing and stuff like that on the side, but just never thought about doing it in a church setting. And so anyway, long story short, joined their communications team. And then five years later, found myself still in church communications. And that role grew and grew. Um, And I really love all things communications. So it fit and it was really fun. But ultimately, I really missed student ministry. Mm -hmm. Um, But I think at the time when I made that decision, I didn't see a ton of moms in youth ministry. Yeah, like I yeah. knew a lot of women in youth ministry by then, but not, I felt like most women when they had kids just kind of took a break for, and that's not bad or good. It's just what I saw. Sure, um, sure. So I don't think I had the imagination, right. To be like, you can be a mom in a youth ministry. So anyway, um, then about two and a half years ago ish. Um, so I should back up. I started working with Christ in youth. about six years ago and I've had a relationship with them really since high school. I attended their events in high school, found Jesus, gave my life to ministry through a CIY event. And I started speaking and teaching on their um, move program rotation 
actually my first time I was pregnant with my daughter, which was a trip because uh, I was backstage and the move director was like, are you okay? You know, can I pray for you? And I was like, well, I'm about to throw up. And he thought I was just like really nervous, which I was, but I was like, no, I'm pregnant, you know? And he was like, (laughs) super new prayer. Never prayed that for a speaker, but here we go. So anyway, so started speaking and teaching with them. And through that relationship, I think just stayed connected to youth ministry. And my husband's a high school teacher. And like, I've always been discipling students, even when that wasn't my vocation, so to speak. Um, So about two and a half years ago, long story short, our church at the time, um, I'm at Traders Point Christian Church in Indianapolis, and they were really rebuilding their youth ministry, Um, had just been through a ton of transition and they're really rebuilding it. And so there's a new leader um, that had come in to really take on that charge, which I know boss, you know him well, his name's Nathan Branham. Um, And I'll talk about him a lot because he really gets a lot of credit for all the things that have happened in the last two years. But I was speaking at a CIY event and afterward, he just kind of came up to me and was like, so why aren't you in youth ministry? Like, why are you writing in a communications team? Like what's going on? And I was like, I don't know. And at the time I said to him, literally, I'm bad at first impressions. Mm. And I said to him, I think my youth ministry days are over. Like, I think that ship has sailed. Mm. And he was like, why? And I was like, I think I'm too old. And he was 37 at the time. Yeah. Older than me. So he was like, uh, okay. <laughs> like, what does that say about me? Right, I was like, oh, right. honey, no, you know. But I think just that conversation just sowed a seed of like, wait, why am I not in youth ministry? I mm. love youth ministry, and it really was my lack of imagination, honestly, for mm. what it could look like. Um, not just as a mom and personally, but also like what youth ministry could look like. Sure. Um, I'd seen it one way, and to be honest, it just didn't resonate with me. Yeah. Um, I was seeing a lot of students graduate and then just walk away from God. Mm-hmm. And I just started really being like, is this working? Like, is what we're doing working? And Nathan had this vision for a groups based youth ministry. Mm-hmm. And so yeah. as we started talking, I was like, yeah, that's what I want to do. But mm-hmm. I just didn't know that could exist. Um, so long story short, went over to youth ministry and I was a student groups minister um, for about a year and we just started rebuilding, um, youth ministry. And so last year, Nathan moved into, um, a different role on our team, on the executive team. And long story short, I stepped into his role now leading the students team. So here you are, here I am. So yeah, I put my foot in my mouth all the time in intros and Nathan (laughs) reminds me often, like, remember the first time you met me, you told me you were done with youth ministry. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And it wasn't because I was done. I just kind of think I thought I was too old or I don't know, which is so stupid. Looking back, I'm like, that's, that was the stupidest thing, but yeah. So yeah. Well, well, we're thrilled that you're here and you're sitting with us and we're going to talk a lot about that. So I'm stoked about it. And before we jump into that conversation about reimagining momentum, uh, Maggie and Dusty have some questions for you, some more get to know you questions. Um, So we're going to kick it off with that. These are, these are less and like, you know, these are less story. Just like, let's just deep dive on like who Ann is. So the most important question obviously is like, we are here on free refills. We need to know like, what's your favorite drink of choice? Like maybe that you're just like, 
There she is. Okay, That's now coffee. here's the deal. If it's coffee, we need to know like how, like how, like on a scale of one to ten on coffee snob are we? Because boss is like out here on like eleven scale, and like <laughs> I need coffee to do its job. So I don't want like gross, disgusting coffee, but I'm, I just need it to work. Uh, so I'm a black coffee drinker. There we but go. if it seems like it might not be good coffee, I'll put cream in it. But yeah, not a snob, but I don't want like hotel coffee. Sure. It needs, well, needs to be functional. Do you functional. have like, all, do you have all of the, the, the extra pieces? Like I'm talking about, like, do you no. like walk in? Okay. When you walk into boss's house, he has like a, <laughs> his own barista area. So, I respect those people and oh. I benefit from their friendships. <laughs> I am never going to be the person that takes that much time in the morning. Hey, like I just need it to function and get to my veins. It was the best time that I've had. Yeah. Best time I've had with coffee. I knew I was going to wake up from boss's house. So I was going to have like, I didn't have to go to Starbucks. I didn't have to go anywhere. I had a, well, like, you can fresh. trust to drink black coffee with those people. Yes. So, thank you. boss. Thank yeah. you. Now I'll let you take the next one. Yeah. So, I know by one, knowing you, and two, by stalking you all the time on Instagram, that you are very well read. So I'm really curious to hear what is something that you are reading right now that you have found yes. inspiring, interesting, that you're loving. Okay, so the two books I'm reading right now, I just finished The Color of Compromise by Jamar Tisby, yes. which was amazing, and I should have read it a year ago, but I didn't. And How to Not Be a Jerk by Eugene Cho. <laughs> yes, that's on my list. Um, and it's every, really, every A is like every one of us. Well, it's, <laughs> yes, I mean, that is just a lifetime theme. But specifically, this book is about engaging political conversations um, mm -hmm. as a follower of Jesus and how to not be a jerk. So those are the two books I'm reading right now. I typically read a lot more fiction, but for whatever reason, during this season, I've not been able to I don't know what it is. Like I can't turn my adrenaline down enough to just enjoy a book. We're, li we're living in fiction right now. Like yeah. it feels like that. So it feels like enough. We don't need a dream. On. We're in it. Yeah. Well, and I feel is like this... you've chosen two books that are very appropriate for this year. Yes. So like, I was just like, I need help. Um, and yeah. And I've listened to Jamar Tisby for a long time. I just had never read the color of compromise. So yeah, I'm not proud of that but i read it this year and it was amazing sweet awesome. that's good no i think and then i think this quick for the audience fun fact uh ann and maggie are like besties so this would be fun <laughs> we're we're both enneagram eights mm -hmm. um for those listeners who know what the enneagram is so mm -hmm. yes we're we, we lay it all on the table Yep. Yeah. And that's what we're going to do. We're going to lay it all <laughs> on the table on this episode, which is, I'm stoked about. I'm so excited. I'm nervous <laughs> about your expectations, boss, because I just want to bring them down a little bit. Yeah. You just said, I'm so stoked and I just don't want anyone to be disappointed. You know? Well, here's, I think, I think I probably lifted his expectations <laughs> a little too much. <laughs> just lower the bar a little and then it'll be fine. No. No, every, every youth pastor is like, oh, this is where I want to enter. Yes. <laughs> My expectations, right. this is where I want them to right. be. I mean, most times I am an aim small, miss small type of person. So then, you know, whatever. So then you're not disappointed. But And I'm not going to be disappointed. I'm just, I'm excited that we're here in this space and we're talking. That 
that's enough for me. So whatever happens now is icing on the cake. Um, well, yeah. And, um, we ask you to be a part of this conversation and we thought of you because we're talking about reimagining momentum and Mm -hmm. in a time when things have been canceled, they've been shut down, they've been whatever you insert, whatever it is to just halt progress at times. Um, I've heard leaders and we've heard leaders, many of us have heard it like we had so much momentum going, you know, back in January, we were doing really well. 2020 was rolling. This was great. And then COVID hits and things get wrecked. And then we're just, we're like, now what do we do? And some of us, depending on where we're at in the country, depending on where we're at in our state, depending on where we're at in our city, like all that sort of stuff depends on if we are reopening our church, if we're, you know, gathering again, if we're restarting all that sort of stuff, but now's different. And there's a different way of doing ministry that's happening. I'm excited about it, but we have to reimagine momentum because if we base it off of what was, mm-hmm. we're going to miss it and we're not going to feel like we have momentum at all. And it really comes down to us as leaders. So all that to say is we, we thought of you because, and I'd love for you to just jump back into the, when you came into your role with Nathan Mm -hmm. and what y'all were crafting together at that time and kind of give us the timeline of it, because you reimagined at that time, what ministry youth ministry could be in your context. Mm -hmm. And I know when I heard about it, I was a huge fan and I was like, yes, they're doing it. And this was years before COVID. And then you were one of a few. Most people thought we were crazy and still maybe (laughs) some do. Yeah. So pick up, like, tell us about that, what that means. And then what are some of the things for you that you got into a place where you went, okay, I'm starting to kind of see this and starting to see that momentum actually is happening with this new way. Sure. So, um, there were a few factors that really, I think, contributed to my own passion around doing youth ministry this way, and then just some data that helped inform. And I love data. I'm not a math person, but I think data tells a story, you know? And so some of it was just research, honestly. But so uh, the same summer that had that conversation with Nathan about joining youth ministry, I had a conversation with a colleague, so to speak, of mine. He's a youth ministry professor at Johnson University. His name's Brian Leslie. He's incredible. And he had been in youth ministry for about 20 years um, before joining Johnson's team as a professor. And I was talking to him about just like, hey, what are you seeing right now? Like, what are the trends that you're seeing? Is I'm like rethinking, like, do I go back into youth ministry? Um, and he said he had joined Johnson's team like only a couple years before that. So in his last two years of youth ministry, he was telling this story about how the program was like dying Mm. and small groups were just like going through the roof and how program wise, like it was really hard to like the Sunday night program was so hard to convince students to come to and the attendance was super struggle, struggle bus. And, but Wednesday night small group in their context was just like going up and up and up and up. Mm-hmm. And so he started really thinking about it then. And then now as a youth ministry professor and all that stuff. So that was like a conversation that was confirmation, I think for me of like, okay, even Brian, who I hold in such high regard of like just youth ministry wisdom sees this. And he spent decades in that model. Um, 
And then our data was just showing, and this is no credit to me, this is all credit to the student staff that was the year before I came onto the team. They just really, I think, took a humble approach to do some data on teenagers in our congregation and how many were responding to Jesus in the main service versus how many were responding in student ministry. Yeah. And not only were they equal, but in some cases they were more Hmm. of Hmm. students who never engaged in youth ministry, quote unquote, but were very active in the congregation, very active in their campus, serving or making a decision for Jesus, being baptized after a message, all in a quote unquote adult service, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And so that, again, I give all credit to the student team the year before I was there because they really, I think, took the humble approach of like, is what we're doing working I don't know. Let's find out. Mm. And I think that's really hard to do as a leader, right? Yeah. Because there is so much on the line, your ego, your like, you know, am I not going to ever teach anymore? You know, like all of those mm. things I'm sure were at play for them. Um, so by the time I got into the team, they'd already made the decision. No, we're going to go to a group space model because sure. we're seeing students respond in our main services. And also not just traders point like local to us, but then at the time, like, and I had read Growing Young by Carol Powell and been following the study that she'd been doing with churches. And I just became more and more convinced, you know, the five things that she talks about, and this is all from her, this isn't me, but the five things that hold a teenager back from developing a lifelong faith are incomplete theology, lacking participation in the entire church body, unwise choices and sin issues. Um, and then the last two pivotal circumstances where something happens and they have no community to go Mm -hmm. to no consistent community and the wrong voices speaking into their lives and for a teenager you know one hour a week is just not going to do it like they watch thousands of hours of content on youtube and so for us to think that one service one hour is going to form them spiritually enough to withstand what they're being discipled with on the internet is just I don't know. I'm not trying, I don't want to shame anyone that's doing that. I just think we have to be humble enough to ask ourselves the question, is this really going to help the next generation know Jesus Mm -hmm. and follow him in this very hard world Mm -hmm. when they become young adults? Yeah. And I was just like, I don't think it is. So all that to say, I'm sorry, I'm getting so preachy, but I just really believe in it. But, um, So then for us in the fall, we kicked off like a group-based model where we had, and this is where like a lot of youth ministry pros were like, I don't know about that, Mm -hmm. you know, and really (laughs) thinking we're nuts, especially because, and I think maybe pros, pros, yeah, well, they are, I respect them. Um, (laughs) But I think especially because maybe we're a larger church. And so I think maybe if we're smaller, honestly, it's like 1950s model of youth ministry in some ways, you know, Um, like I think some people have just been doing this a long time and we're just like catching on, but our, so we had our students go to main service and we still, before COVID, that was still the model. We had a youth section of our auditorium and every campus um, where they all gathered at, at the time we had Sunday night services that were the same as Sunday morning. So that was what we kind of like push students to like attend Sunday night. We really push families to that. Not all did, of course. Some went to the 9 and 11, and that's totally fine. And then afterward, we did groups on campus everywhere, right after service. And then after group time, we do like an after party, which is really like community, food, which is a huge yep. part of our ministry. Um, and I don't even say that lightly. Like 
right. food is like such a critical piece because it brings people together, even like making sure we have stuff for people with allergies, you know, every week. Like we yep. spend a lot of time on that stuff mm -hmm. because we're not pouring hours and hours into a sermon. Right. And that's not because we're like lazy. Like, right. and I say this as like a teacher, like I love teaching the Bible, you know? Um, mm. So it's, I like, I'm losing something, quote unquote, you know, like, it's not like I, those just aren't my gifts. So this is easy for me. You know, right, like right, there right. was this kind of sacrifice on the altar, so to speak for some of us of like, but then it was, I think begged the question of like, are those our idols or are they actually working for students? You know, and I just, Ooh. I don't know. I think youth pastors have to ask that question. Well, and if about, it is- Talk about that. Okay. okay. Talk about that. Like every, every youth pastor just tuned out. Cause like, I don't want, I don't want- <laughs> Like, I want to hear that. Next. I want to hear that next. Like, if I'm you're still here, if you're yeah. still here as a youth pastor, you're listening, <laughs> do yeah. not leave. Well, and I think they should be here now because in COVID, it's more important than ever. So even if you just scrap all this, whenever this is over, Lord willing, I think this year it matters more than it even did a year ago. Yeah, um, yeah. But the idol piece, I would just say like, why is it the most effective thing for teenagers to go to a different area of the building every week to hear from you only their entire formation of adolescence and never experience intergenerational worship where they see their parents authentically worshiping, where they see people of different ages, um, grand, their grandparents' age, like all of those things form us spiritually. And the data shows that. The data shows that intergenerational worship has a huge impact on someone's lifelong faith. Um, but then I would just also ask the question of like, why does it have to be in a Sunday program setting for them to hear you? Like, um, are there other things? Is there a once a month gathering that you can teach at or you can empower your team to teach at, volunteers to teach at? Is it a YouTube channel where you do short videos about certain topics? Like, I don't think you have to scrap all of it right. to readjust the program heavy model. Does that make sense? Like, cause I think some people were afraid cause they're like, so you're just saying I'm not going to preach ever again. Mm. And it's like, no, but should you be preaching every week and spending all your time on a message and not pouring into leaders, not pouring into teenagers, not investing in parents, not setting up your teams to connect with their students outside of Sunday night. Like those things are all really critical for student ministry to work. Mm -hmm. And I just see a pattern of a lot of student ministry. And I was this way too. So I'm not like judging anybody. I was sure. this way too. Um, I spent most of my time thinking about the program, like mm -hmm. in my first several years. Mm -hmm. um, but here's the thing that it unlocked for us that honestly, we didn't even anticipate was, now this isn't true in COVID because schools are shut down. But I'd say in the last year, those who have like teaching gifts and really want to teach and preach, it opened up the window so wide for them to teach and preach in schools mm. with FCA, in Christian school chapels, um, to go to like a Young Life event and partner with different mm -hmm. places around the city. Mm -hmm. I feel like it's given us more margin to make significant partnerships in our city. Mm. And so, yeah, I don't, I mean, I don't know if that's just like too much, but I, yeah, go, go ahead, Dusty. Oh yeah. So, okay. If uh, pr small promo, it, just so you guys know, <laughs> we're now on YouTube. So go watch this on YouTube. Cause you're going to see me 
I'm like just revving over here. Like <laughs> I am just like going to jump through the screen, sit in your office and literally learn everything I can. Because here's the deal. I, I, we just boss from our last message. We actually, uh, with Mike or sorry, last podcast with Mike Hickerson, he, he brought up that we've been too much about ABC, which is about, uh, attendance building and cash. We need yeah. to be about DEF, which is discipleship, engagement, and formation. Love and that. so, Never yeah, when it, I, I mean, I'm that just, that note. yeah, take that note. Cause I, I, it blew, I mean, I already knew he was going to say it and it was even when he said it again, I was like, impacted but we had some people reach out i actually just responded to uh, a, a a leader's email this morning that boss had sent me that, that was just like what does that look like why mm -hmm. because it's completely undoing mm -hmm. everything that you've ever been taught or everything that you ever ever, ever seen and just because it's different doesn't mean it's wrong it's just yep. different yeah and we're scared of different you know i think you oh. can go biblically yes and look at john the baptist people were like what's happening over there yeah. <laughs> you know um that's different not because it was wrong but mm -hmm. it was just different yeah and so i love like i love this and i would love for you to like even unpack for a person like me when you say cuz you use some terminology like group would you call it group group based group based group youth like ministry. you know youth group yeah. unpack this like for like the person who's going i have no idea what that is yeah but i'm interested yeah. Unpack exactly maybe what the flow of that looks like practically, mm -hmm. because I think yeah. some people are now intrigued. We don't, we don't typically talk about tips and tricks because I think what's happening right now is someone's heard this. And if you're like me, you're going, I got to yeah. do something different because what I was doing before is not going to work. Sure. And, well, and, so, and can I yeah, tack yeah, onto that real quick too? Um, you in talking about sacrifice and the sacrifice, sacrifice that it costs leaders sacrificing their idols. I'm assuming Again, mm -hmm. assuming isn't always great, but I'm assuming that it also costs something of your adult ministry leaders. Yeah. Because if the program shifts in the student ministry side, then the weekend service has to become more compelling to students in a way that it wasn't prior to the shift. So yeah. how that looked in tandem with what Dusty was explaining. That's a yeah, that's great. And I love that you brought that up because I will say, I want to be really, really cautious to not prescribe yeah. what God called yes. us to do mm -hmm. to anyone else. Because there are a few things about our city and our church that made this all very possible and unique for us. And it was what God was leading us to do. Mm -hmm. um, so I just want to be careful that no one feels like, oh my gosh, now I got to rip out everything, you know? Um, but okay, so yeah, so to that point, Maggie, I'll talk about what you said first and then go to what you asked Dusty because yeah, I think one, that one informs the other. Um, I do think our church was already on a path of changing some things in the service mm -hmm. um, to go younger, quote unquote. Um, and part of that was multi-site. Like we had launched a downtown campus and a lot of young adults um, come to our downtown campus. And so, you know, proximity matters and all that stuff changes the way we think about all kinds of things. So that was already beginning to happen. But then I think here's what it did that I did not even anticipate or think about. It became, our teenagers became so visible to our adults and to our church leaders that there has been, I have never experienced in my youth ministry career, the amount of buy-in mm -hmm 
now Mm. ever like ever before Mm. um, that I have right now than all of us have because they see teenagers in every part of our church. Mm. Like they see them in service. They see them in kids ministry serving. They see them in production. They see them in connections in the parking lot, you know, like it's not out of sight, out of mind. And so I think sometimes the struggle with youth pastors is they're wrestling with their church leadership because they don't feel like they're on board. But part of that could be because your church leadership never sees the students. Mm -hmm. So it's in tandem of like, if they don't see the problem, why would they feel like they need to help you? You know, it's their responsibility partly. Yeah. yeah, They're like, that's your job, you know? Um, But if you make it the church's job by saying we're going to integrate then everyone's kind of like eyes are open. Like, I mean, I'll never forget the first several times that our students were in our largest campus and this was messy. Like, let me be very clear. Like there were teenagers throwing paper airplanes in adult service, like making out in the back. Like it was, a right. you know, all the things are still, they're still teenagers, you know, their right. brains are, the frontal lobe is not closed. So like, I say this all with a grain of salt, but our executive pastor like was moved to tears watching I could cry thinking about it. Mm. it, Maggie, I cry before you. Um, <laughs> watching them worship because like he was like, oh my gosh, like the youth are it. Like we have to invest. And then it, I just think this work of God happened. Like I can't take any credit for it. But I think just the ball started rolling where everybody started seeing students more and more and more. And so they were more invested Mm. to the point that when we do now, like, cause we do a quarterly event um, where we gather and we preach and we worship. Like, it's not like we don't do anything. We just have reduced it greatly, but the buy-in staff wide is like ridiculous. Like I don't even feel worthy of the amount of buy-in I have from like the facilities team and it and film and worship and production and like all these teams that like historically right you're like begging for help and they're like signing up first and sign up genius to just pass out you know cotton candy or whatever so anyway i don't know if that's helpful maggie but like i just feel like and it's a but you have to also play the long game like this didn't happen overnight like i we're in year three Mm -hmm. of a rebuild and we're just now i think starting to really see a ton of fruit the first year i'm not gonna lie like it was very hard um because people were used to one thing you know and we definitely had people leave and some volunteers be like yeah i'm not about this um and that's fine like that's that's okay and i think we just tried to find other places for them that fit in their gifts but um yeah. So sorry. So, Jesse, you raise your hand. No, 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 no. Actually, I'm going to actually reframe my question um, yeah. because here's what I want. I want, if you're listening to this and this is intriguing you, I want you to reach out to her team. Um, you can, and we'll get that to the, you know, the information yeah, and how they can connect with you. And that's that, that you would be open to. Um, but I think let's just make this super simple. Yep. Cause you're saying you're in, you're in, we, you're in a, you know, year three, we don't want, somebody to hear this and go compare their first page to your chapter four, you yeah. know? So it's like, yep. cause then, the, then it's failure, instant failure mm-hmm. and everything you said was wrong. And now, you know, now I'm in trouble with my staff, but if you could just say this, if you could say looking back on year one, mm-hmm. even, even quarter one, mm-hmm. when you <laughs> launched this, yeah. 
I just she's got like, PTSD uh, when you asked. Yeah, she's like, anxiety <laughs> went through the roof. Um, yeah. If you yeah. could look back at quarter one and talk to the youth pastor, aka probably me, mm-hmm. um, because I'm taking all these notes, I'm going to pitch it to my senior pastor like an hour from now. Um, <laughs> Sit on it for a day, pray about it, you know. 100%. I'm just going in. So yeah, okay. here's the deal. Um, what would you say to the person like me that says like, Hey, just do this one thing, right. And it will build the rest of it. We'll talk about the rest Mm -hmm. of it later, but just do this one thing, right. Yeah. I would say leadership buy-in is the most important because otherwise the question will be, well, if you're not going to teach and preach, like, what are you doing with your time? Like there's like Mm -hmm. a practical like job part, right? Like, Mm -hmm. what are you doing? But I think the most important is to paint a picture. <laughs> I sound so, I don't know, writery right now, but like paint, paint a picture of the future of your church where teenagers and young people don't feel like they need to run away mm. when they are 19 yeah. because they now go into your adult service and don't know what to do mm-hmm. and it doesn't connect and they don't know anyone and now they feel really lost. Like what would it look like if that was normal for them and not only normal, but they were contributing to the body of Christ in their teenage years in ways that were significant. Um, I think, you know, maybe this is my idealism and maybe it is, it might be, but I think senior leaders like want that, you know, like they're not like wanting young people to run away when they're 20. That's grieving. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, so how can you paint a picture of like, hey, I'm paying attention to the research. I'm paying attention to what teenagers need the most. I think what we're offering needs to shift to meet their needs. Hmm. Research shows they need connection more than they need content. That doesn't mean they don't need any content. They do. Like they do. Don't hear me say they don't. Like they need the full gospel um, and all of that. But they need relationship. You know, and I think especially in COVID, I heard Kara Powell actually ask this on a podcast. She said, how can we benefit from the good of technology and infuse the warmth of relationship? Mm-hmm. You know, so I think even the yes. question for us that we're asking is like, relationship comes first, connection comes first. So what does that look like in a COVID world? You know, and I think right now is the best time to innovate, change it up because all bets are off. Like what is happening right now? You know, like we're going to have to rechange our ministry model probably in two months because it's going to get cold here. You know, like right now we're meeting outdoors in groups. Um, but if there was ever a time, I would just say to the youth pastor, like seize the day, you know, like, uh, your students Chances what of getting grace now is probably very higher. high. <laughs> and also your students are wanting connection desperately. Like I read a stat yesterday that said 79% of parents are completely overwhelmed and don't know how to parent their teenagers. I think that Mm -hmm. stat's probably low, honestly. Um, (laughs) Anecdotally, I feel like it's Um, (laughs) 99.9, which means that teenagers are desperate. And for some teenagers, oh, I could cry thinking about this again. Guys, why? Um, (laughs) The most safe adult in their lives, they now don't have access to. Yeah, because for some of our students it's not their parents right and we've just been sending them a youtube video of a sermon 
and they're dying. Um, oh, sorry. No, keep they, good. They need mentors and they need people speaking into them on a personal level that they'll never forget more than they need our YouTube sermon on for 25 minutes about whatever. Not that that doesn't matter, but like research shows that kids need five adults to thrive when they're not kids anymore. And I think I'm just asking, and even as the whole family ministry at our church, we're asking what would it look like for the church to at least partner with parents and give them two of those adults? Mm. Yeah. You well, know, and, like, and honestly, you, you, Anne, have taught me this just by watching you do ministry and the times that we've hung out that messages, sermons don't redeem, relationships do. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. it sounds like that's what you're saying. Yeah. And I think the message sticks in relationship, you know? Yeah. So like, and I think that's even true just educationally, right? Like that's why education has changed a lot. It's not that people don't lecture at all anymore, but they give time for students to experience it to talk about it. And then in student ministry, it's like, we haven't really adapted to like, people need to experiment for something to really stick, you know? And so for me, and again, I say this as someone, I just want to be super clear. Like I say this as someone who loves teaching, (laughs) you know, like I teach at CIY Move and like love it. And it is the highlight of my summer, but I don't think that's what students need every week. Mm -hmm. That's hard. Like I would love to just get up there and rip it every Sunday for 30 minutes. Like that would just be great. But I don't think that's what teenagers need. Do I think they need that sometimes? Yes. Um, Do I think that there is a place for content to be created, especially in the internet? Yes. Like all day with that. So it's not take it out completely, but prioritize the relationship in this season, especially in COVID, like we have such an opportunity right now to do that. Yeah. And here's what I'll tell you. So we did this two years ago, boss knows, people thought we were nuts. We were at a ministry summit together where mm-hmm. we pitched this. And I mean, seriously, guys, like the room was dead silent. They were all just like, you guys are crazy. Yeah. I was in the room and there was an audible groan from everyone else. Of course, yeah. I was leaning in. I was like, this <laughs> but is I'm willing to bet. I'm willing to bet if they would actually open their heart to the, the groan wasn't the fact of them not wanting to, the groan was a fact of conviction to go. I, I, I don't know if I want to hear this. Yeah. And cause it's like, that lays a lot on the table, you know? And yeah. I think it also lays, Oh, I'm just going to go here. Okay. Let's go. It also lays bare your motivation for youth ministry. Come on. Reach that. Are you in youth ministry to be a campus pastor <laughs> in one year? I'm, I don't know your audience, so I'm sure they just all unfollowed me because now they're mad. Look, but, uh, here, here at Free Refills, we, um, <laughs> we know and we, we will say it publicly that going from youth pastor or youth ministry anything to campus pastor is a demotion. So yeah, that is oh, for sure. right 100%. out there. Yeah, and I'm not, I'm not, um, I want to be really clear. Like, I don't think that that is a wrong move for anyone. I'm not saying that nobody should ever, you know, be anything else, but I think it lays bare. Like, what are my motivations? Are my motivations to get my sermons on YouTube for some church to hear someday so that Mm. I can become a discipleship pastor or a teaching pastor? Or my motivations, the teenagers that God has called me to in this community to serve and help them follow Jesus. Now, I say that as someone who had to ask myself the same question. It's good. Like, I'm not 
on the like condemning side, like I had to ask that of myself of like, am I gonna, yeah, that the, there's a little bit of pride there that I need to like lay before God, right? Of like, mm-hmm. this means that there's not going to be as much as whatever, but that is not the point of youth ministry. <laughs> like, yeah. Is youth, <laughs> you know, the students themselves. So anyway, sorry, mm-hmm. I'm going on too much. But. You're good. Well, You're, and, no, that and, is exactly it. Go ahead, Maggie. Yeah. And honestly, I mean, this is kind of taking 10 steps back to where this conversation, this part of the conversation originally started, but you were originally talking about um, how to get buy-in from top level leadership, right? And from my observations of Trader's Point, I don't know if this is still your three-pronged approach to staff um, engagement, but it's humble, hungry, and healthy, right? Yeah. Yeah. And I think it would be really easy for a youth worker or a youth pastor to listen to this and think, um, these are the steps that I need to take to get to this point. When in reality, my observation has been that it is a trickle down of the health of your entire staff. So Mm -hmm. because your top level leadership trusts you, the Mm -hmm. students can now trust you to create a ministry or cultivate a ministry that integrates them into the life of the church. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah. And that's beautiful. <laughs> it is. And it's also terrifying. Yeah. And so there is a big part that like we haven't even said yet, or I haven't said, which is my fault of like, I cannot emphasize enough <laughs> the amount of Holy spirit reliance mm. that our team had to have. Mm-hmm. It was critical mm. to make ministry work. And the reason why is because programming is so much easier to control. Like you can program something to the second. And I love, I love programming. Okay. Like I'm about the PCO template. I want to know exactly what's happening every minute. Like that is my DNA, Yeah. but you cannot control relationships. You cannot control what a student walks into a small group with. You can't control what an adult leader walks into you their group time with like you can coach and train and equip and set up an amazing environment for all of that to happen. But at the end of the day, you have to be like stripped bare to rely on the Holy spirit. Yeah. And that's scary. Like it's way easier. I'm not, I don't want to, I want to only sell this to people that are like willing to like to go down a really hard road because I, it is not easier. However, I would also say there are organizations that have been doing this really, really well for a long time. And I feel like I'm just catching up. Like mm, yeah. youth for Christ in our city does an amazing job at this, especially their like parent life ministries. And like, they're all about relationship and we're learning from them of like, how do you do this? Like your whole ministry is based on relationships. Teach us, you know? So, yeah. You know, you know and I'll say this, like, it's not much of a question. I just want to, it's an, it's an encouragement to just you and a testament to you and your leadership and just, and, and then anybody listening for too long, we have used students as stepping stones for a, a career yes. and not a vocation, yes. right? Like we have used, we have used students to go, I have to be a youth pastor to then be this person. Yeah. Um, I have to be a youth pastor. And, and, I, and I'm sure like if you're someone listening, you're like, yeah, but Anne's actually on a, on a move tour CIY. It's, it's, so it's easy for her to say that came that was, later. I just, that wanna... was later. Yeah. Yes. And I was going to, I'm saying that for yes. you to like, yeah. Hey, I'm defending you. Hey, no. listen, that came, 
that came yes. after you submitted that to Christ mm -hmm. to say like, Hey, I'm giving this back to you. I'm actually laying down that, Hey, like, students are not going to be not a stepping stone for me anymore. Mm -hmm. And you focused on that and God goes, okay, now I need you to actually share that. And yeah. so I want to say like, thank you for stepping into it because mm -hmm. I think it's like, it's one of these hidden truths or like hidden truths in the church, dirty, hidden secret mm -hmm. is that I have to become a youth pastor so that I can be other things. Yeah. And we Please have with so that. many students for generations. <laughs> yes. Yes. yes so. Because then, I mean, and think about it, like goes down to just the science of relationship and attachment, you know, like if a student's experience is their student minister being ripped from them every year, Yep. Their ability to trust in relationships is so diminished. And the same is, and I would say it's actually more important for a small group leader to be consistent than even the youth pastor, like in this sure. scenario. And so that's why I think recruiting takes the next level, right? Like this will require you to be more vigilant, to be more on top of like your recruiting strategies. And we experienced that. And I will tell you, like, we did not do it well in the first six months. I think we just kept the same model of recruitment mm. with the same bar of like what youth ministry is going to take. And that wasn't good enough. And we had a lot of leaders that like trickled in and trickled out and didn't stick. I think once we defined expectations and rose the bar, then it was like, oh, you guys want me to be with these students for like years? Okay, <laughs> let me pray about that. And some were like, no, you know, right, and it's right. like, that's fine. Cause I would rather you not than just be gone in four months. Cause you don't like them, you know, like, yeah, or yeah. this is too hard for you. And that's not saying like things happen, yeah. people move. Sure. Like I'm not saying no one can ever leave, but like, yeah, I think we just prioritize connection because we know that like transformation happens in trust of a relationship. And we believe that about everything else. Why would we not believe that about ministry? Like that's true of education, right? Like relationships and teachers, when a student is in a class, I mean, my husband prioritizes this. If students like him, they are going to learn more from him. If students feel like he cares about them, they're going to read the boring article that he sends them no offense to him but like you know like because they because they trust him you know but you all you've had the experience of a high school teacher that you just could not stand you probably yeah. suffered in that class and yeah. i think the same is true in youth ministry any who's are there no, i think yeah. you you have like this glass so I, as like an eight seven eight i have like a glass case that's like a hot take button that's like a protective glass there you have officially smashed it and now is pushing the red button over again it says hot take. because the truth here here's one more for you right is that we, uh, we in ministry, not even youth ministry, we don't want to give over to the Holy Spirit because we don't, we can't control that. And so yeah. we get nervous about it. And so therefore we like, we, we, we water down our teaching on it. We, do, we end up trying to impact the kingdom of God with two thirds of the deity, right? So it's like, what's the, you know, what, what are we, what are we doing? Yeah. Um, and so I just, poof, you just like smash the gate, click. And like, now it's just like, it's, it's, <laughs> well, and, like a and, I don't, in there just and I don't think we need to apologize for raising the bar of things and changing yeah. things because yeah. we are put in positions in youth ministry to serve the teenagers, to make this and fight for teenagers and do the research. And there's people out there that are way smarter than us doing that research, providing it to us. We just have to read it and take it and use it. I mean, they didn't just make it up. They talked to yeah. a lot of other places and found this and go, well, let's just play to our strengths and play and let's play into that. If, if we all can say this isn't working, mm -hmm. well, then we just let's scrap it. Let's do yeah. something else, anything for that matter. Yeah. 
yeah. And and we, yeah. Yeah. We're fighting for students. That's what we're doing. Mm-hmm. And, and that oh goes to the gosh. volunteer recruitment. Yep. You know, well, when you I were think, like, yeah, I don't need a bandaid. I need, we're trying to win this war. Like mm-hmm. we're winning a war. We're winning lives, mm-hmm. lives, right? Like you, you just were in tears thinking about it. Like we got kids that are, they're dying and we have to go and, and protect them and get them a safe space so that they can be there. And so we're, yes. we're yeah, we're raising and the bar I, to fight for them. Go for it. Well, can I just say one thing? And this again, I'm going to cry just because, but here's the other thing that happened. Oh my gosh, I can't even get it out. In the first six months, we made more calls of reported abuse than in probably the last five years of ministry. Yeah. And I know this sounds twisted, but it was a sign to me that ministry was beginning to work Mm -hmm. because adults were safe. Mm. And students were coming to them in crisis mm-hmm. because they had enough like bandwidth and time to actually get get that out. You know, like they had more than just ten minutes of like, so what? What the message impact you? And they're like, Jesus, you know. And then they right. leave. It's like fifty minutes. And that, when we adjust that, right? Like, I want to be clear. Like, if it's a seventh grade boys group, we say your goal is five minutes of serious conversation and like. Right. Right. If you guys need to climb all over the walls for 40 minutes, like here's, we've given you this padded room, you know, mm-hmm. like we lay expectations out reality. So I don't want to scare anybody, but like also just know that like ministry is going to get messier, but that's a sign that it's working. Yeah. Um, and that scares us. But I think everything started changing when as a team, we just laid bare, like we have to depend on God because we don't know how to do this. And this mm-hmm. is scary. And I just, and as an eight, like, I hate being weak. Like that's, you know, it was like my worst nightmare showing up every week, feeling like I never knew it was going to happen. Now we've built more of a foundation to have safeguards in place now. So like, it's not as terrifying, but there is still this level of like, I give this to you, Lord. And when we did that, like, I cannot even emphasize like what God did of bringing adults that truly loved teenagers into our ministry from like nowhere, like just Mm -hmm. the floodgates open. I mean, there'd be a week, like God just did incredible things. Like there was a week, even at one of our campuses, like we were so short and I just spent two hours at my desk praying, which I know sounds just like what you think ministry is going to be and then it never is. Right. Right. And I was just like, God, we need three female leaders at this campus. Like that. I I just need three. Mm -hmm. I am not joking. Two days later, I got three applications. Now, two of them stuck and one of them didn't, but that's okay because I didn't clarify that with the Lord that I right. needed that actually three. stay. But it was like, I didn't do that when I was just preparing sermons. You know, like I didn't feel desperate about that because yeah. they could just come sit in a chair. But I was like, I need leaders to invest in teenagers. Like, I don't have control over that. There are things I can do to recruit and I've got some tips and tricks about that. But ultimately, it is the Holy Spirit that's going to lead people to give their lives and free time that they're never going to get paid for to impact this generation. So, so I have an odd question um, to, to piggyback off of that. How has, Oh, how do I say this? Um, Do you think slash how has your perspective as a woman Hmm. in ministry Hmm. affected the way that you champion 
and pursue youth ministry program that is relationally based. Hmm. Do you mean, like, has my experience as a woman impacted how I see youth ministry? So tell me more. Um, yes. And also, because you sound very driven <laughs> towards this mission, and I'm not, I'm sure that even the men on your team are just as driven, but mm. I know you, I don't know the men on your team. <laughs> so mm. how has your experience as a woman and a woman in ministry played into this passion? Hmm. Oh, Maggie. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, well, um, I'm trying to think of how to say this. There are certain paths that are much longer and windier for women in ministry than the men I get to serve with, right? Most, and that's true of any career. Mm -hmm. um, a lot of women don't have linear resumes because some take a break for babies. Some even have to take care of, you know, women just in general, I think stereotypically, I know this is not true of everybody, take on more of a caretaker role in a lot of their relationships, whether that's their kids, their aging parents, siblings that are struggling, whatever. Um, so I think motherhood took every ounce of ego I had and like sliced it up for dinner <laughs> because as a mom, like, my kids weren't like, mom, you're amazing. You know, like, thank you so much for this amazing dinner. Like, oh my gosh, you're incredible. Um, but then I also had to lay down and surrender my career path. And like Dusty, you said like, yeah, like when I stopped being in quote unquote ministry, it wasn't like CIY called me the next day. It was two years later. And part of that surrender was, I don't know if I'm ever going to teach the Bible again mm. in a formal setting but God is asking me to do this. Mm. And that I could talk for days about what led there. Um, but part of that, I think Maggie helped me purify my motivations so that I was ready. And I don't think I would have known this then, but by the time that I went back into youth ministry, I no longer had like a goal of being a teaching pastor and this being a stepping stone to that. Now, I don't know if that was ever a goal, to be honest, but I think a lot of men in ministry maybe have that goal of like, I want to be a lead pastor someday, blah, 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 blah. So I don't know that my experience can be relatable in that way, because I think that's just really unique to motherhood. But I know there's a lot of dads that choose to be stay-at-home dads. So mm -hmm. I think there is, you know, maybe a parallel there. I don't know. But I do think that maybe it's easier for me in different ways than some of the men I serve with. But we were very, very strategic in our hiring process to really make sure that everyone on our team truly was motivated to serve teenagers. Mm -hmm. And we were very clear, and mm -hmm. Boss can tell you, we had a very small team when we started. So that was part of the benefit too, is like we had a very small team. So we hired quite a bit after we built it. Mm -hmm. um, but there were some incredible people that we got to interview and there was nothing wrong with them at all, nothing. And I knew that our ministry context would be agony for them because mm -hmm. teaching or preaching was their main thing that they loved more than anything in this world. And I felt almost like, I don't want to do this to you, <laughs> you know, like 
this is your gift. This is something that God's calling you to do. Like this isn't our ministry model. Um, I don't know that that's a really nuanced question that I think I have to think more about, honestly. And I don't know if that's even helpful, but I do think that there are just some things as a woman in ministry that maybe you uh, can accept faster because opportunities aren't as accessible, if that makes sense. Yeah. Um, well, and, and the reason I was asking is because we have women who follow us and who listen to the mm-hmm. podcast and women in youth ministry. And as a woman who has been in full-time vocational ministry, um, your perspective on specifically, I, at the very beginning of this episode, you, t- you touched on this. Um, and maybe this is a whole other conversation for another time, but um, the ability to develop imagination because of a lack of opportunity. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and I wonder if that, that hmm. development of imagination enabled you to imagine this whole new way of doing youth ministry for your students. Yeah. And I think too, the thing that is accessible to everyone, man or woman is, I would just ask the question, when was the last time you really asked God for a kingdom imagination of your ministry? Um, and that has changed how we lead through COVID. Like it's been like, okay, well, we can't gather in person anymore. All right. What would a kingdom imagination look like? Connection is our priority. Relationships are our priority. We want to bring the kingdom of heaven on earth to students. We want to help them be seen and known. We can do that. And then it's like the fear eliminates. Now, maybe part of that's like my Leslie Nopeness personality. <laughs> I don't know. Like I've got a binder for all things just digitally. But like, I think part of that is this agility to just be like, okay, God, like, I don't know. I'm just going to dream with you about this. And part of that was my ministry experience because as a, and now again, this was in 2009. So it was a while ago. I think things have changed a lot, but there were not very many women in youth ministry in 2009. They're few and far between, and um, most of them took a break with young kids, right? So it's like, what does it look like for a woman with a toddler to lead a youth event? <laughs> like, I just didn't see it. And so now part of that was just my lack of own imagination. So like, I had to be like, God, can I be in youth ministry? Like, are people, are kids going to think I'm like not cool? And then it was like, wait, I've never believed that you have to be cool to reach teenagers. Like, why do I believe that about myself? Mm-hmm. I've never believed that was the most important thing about anyone else. I think your authenticity and your care for them is way more important to them. So why, do I, why am I now putting those things on myself? So I think, yeah, I love that question. I'm going to think about it all day. But I think also all of us could stand to just dream with God a little bit more and have more margin to have some kingdom imagination in our lives. And the best way to do that, I think is in Matthew five and six and walking through the Lord's prayer every day. Like, honestly, that has been the thing that's been the most transformationally transformational for me because I can say to the Lord, like your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And if I do not get on a stage ever again, I trust you because this is what students need right now. Um, I'm not saying that's been easy. And there have been seasons that I missed the teaching part. And there were two years that I felt like my voice was just silenced. But God is asking us to play the long game 
And no matter what our context looks like, like we need to be here for the long game. Like our students are going to be suffering, not just this year, but after COVID. Uh, They're going to become young adults who were teenagers behind screens for a year. Like nobody is going to come out of that be bopping around like i mean it's gonna be hard you know but we can still have a kingdom imagination and trust that god has led the church through so many pandemics like this isn't new to him he's not surprised by any of this and we don't have to be scared um so there it is i didn't expect to cry this much you guys what is okay i you all (laughs) no you got me you've got me going i okay Sorry, I know that I keep going off on this imagination conversation, Um, but just to speak into you, I don't even know if you remember this. A year ago, I left vocational ministry, Mm -hmm. and you sat with me in the lobby of Traders Point, Mm -hmm. and um, in a way that only another female eight can do, you looked me in the eye, we were both crying, and you said, you need to have a better kingdom imagination, and I was like, well, dang it. Because then you don't have to have a certain job to serve in the kingdom. And when you can release that title thing, it just like frees you up to do so much. So for years, I sat behind a computer and wrote, but I didn't stop discipling teenagers. Like I didn't stop, like my husband and I chaperone prom every year because it was our opportunity, you know, which I realize is like a loser thing to admit, but (laughs) it was like, we can be prom chaperones. Like, okay, kingdom imagination. I'll dance to whatever that weird song is that I don't know. But like, yeah, I think it just opens up so many possibilities. Mm-hmm. Well, and the yeah. most beautiful thing about this is the last thing I'll say about it. The most beautiful thing about this to me is that in your pursuit of kingdom imagination through the power of the Holy Spirit, that even that is discipling students. Your students get to see you develop an imagination that is far beyond what we could ask or think or imagine the Lord to, to do for us. So, yeah. Yeah. Wow. As we, as we close this down, I just want to say to anybody still listening and you, and you're a youth worker at all, whatever you're doing, even if you're a small group leader, if you're a youth pastor and you sent this to a small group leader, good for you. Um, here's the deal. If you're not willing to ask questions in a moment like this, and you're just going to go, I'm going to put my head down and push through it. You're going to hurt so many people in the middle of it. You're going to lose leaders. You may lose your job and you may lose your passion and then you might want to blame it on the church hurt, but mm-hmm. it's because we just never wanted to ask questions in the midst of this. And yeah. the church is like, like Anda said, the church has been through worse and the church will continue to go through things. Mm-hmm. This can't be a shock to us because it's not a shock to God. We have to go, we have to know what we're doing. So please don't try to do this alone. Do not try to reimagine momentum alone. Mm-hmm. Find a community. Find somebody like Anne in your community that's going to be able to look at you like she did Maggie, Maggie and say some hard truths in the middle of tears, in the middle of frustration, in the middle of fear that said to you, you need to have a bigger kingdom, a creative, better creative imagination for the kingdom, right? Like Robert. I butchered it, but the truth is, mm-hmm. You have to have somebody that can speak that hard truth into you in this moment. Otherwise, you're going to hurt a lot of people for, <laughs> and including from the yourself. kingdom, including, including yourself, yourself or your yeah. family mm-hmm. and your, even your people in your home. Yeah. And so I want to say, like, thank you so much yeah. for just the raw truth. Um, 
yeah, thank you. Yeah. Yeah. And thank you. Thank you for being transparent. Thanks for being full in and just not holding back. I really appreciate that. No other way. There is no other way. That's it. Everyone who works. (laughs) Yeah. Cannonball in the deep end and that's it. Then here we go. Um, and how can people, uh, reach out to you? How can they connect with you? Yeah. Um, I'm everywhere. Well, Instagram and Twitter mostly at Ann M. Wilson, Wilson, A-N-N-E-M, Wilson. Top 10 most common last names in America. So I don't think I can <laughs> that. But uh, yeah, I'm everywhere. Instagram and Twitter mostly. Facebook scares me, but um, don't <laughs> your, me your IG handle is right. Ann Wilson Reads, right? Is that it? Uh, that's So I have a little reading account. Yes, oh, okay. where I just post books. But Ann M. Wilson for everything else. Yeah. Awesome. Okay. I'll drop all that stuff in the in the comments and right. whatever description, whatever you do on this yeah. space for people to click on the link. So, Ann, thank you so much. This has been thank an incredible guys. conversation. Okay, so there was a lot in that conversation. Um, Ann was being fully transparent, which was incredible, and we so appreciate it. Um, one of the things that... Uh, she wanted to mention and and forgot to add on was that uh, in her context as a multi-site um, church, um, she wanted to make sure to emphasize and, and add in there that this form of youth ministry, this way of doing youth ministry in their context has worked in every single one of their, their campuses, uh, whether that was in the gym of a local YMCA and it was just starting out and with um, a few students all the way to um, over a hundred students at, at another campus at another site. Um, she said it was, it is uh, scalable and uh, it's actually even more scalable this way than it was before. Now you heard it several times. Um, and I want to reiterate this. This is not a prescription. This is not a, this is how you're supposed to do it. And this is the only way to do it. Clearly all of our contexts are different and uh, it leads us to a different thing. And God's called us to a different, different form everywhere we are in whatever context we're in. I'm sure there's some things that stuck out to you. I'm sure you're, um, I, I don't know, maybe you're dreaming right now. I would be dreaming, I am dreaming about uh, the way that student ministry can be done because of the context, because of our um, constraints, our new constraints. And uh, if that is, if that's the case for you, reach out to us. Um, Send us an email, drop us a note somewhere on one of the social channels. Uh, We're we're present everywhere. Uh, You can find us. It'll be all in the description uh, below. You can find us there. Also, maybe there's somebody in your area that is doing ministry different. In fact, I know that there is. So uh, we have a way for you to reach out to them as well. You can go to our website and uh, you can search a database and find people that are near you that want to get together with you in some form. Um, and maybe there's just a friend that you know that's in ministry. Reach out to them as well and talk with them. Dream with somebody. Uh, this is an opportunity that we are going to be talking about years from now, and uh, this is our chance. So uh, we're with you in this. Uh, we want to be with you in it even more than we are now. And so, um, yeah, we look forward to keep doing this and doing it better together uh, because we are. Um, We'll catch you next time. Until then, peace, blessings.